You're listening to the Mothering Joy podcast, episode number 11. I need live-in help. I remember thinking this when I was in my first trimester with Caroline. I was so tired. I was watching DJ run around, mess things up with zero energy to get up and do anything. And I had the thought even then that if I was going to do this again, I would need live-in help. I survived my first trimester with a few setbacks and I went on to have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby girl. It was very likely that I could have just totally forgotten about the fatigue of the first trimester, the fatigue amongst other things. Any mom who's been through a first trimester knows most of us it is not easy. But somehow we find a way to forget about these things and we move forward with our life. Luckily for me, my sister-in-law got unexpectedly pregnant with her second baby last summer and all the first trimester hard stuff came rushing back to my brain. At the time, they were renovating their 1920s farmhouse and they were living in a camper with their toddler and their two German shorthair pointers. My sister-in-law had horrible morning sickness that left her throwing up in the tiny camper bathroom. She had no washer and dryer. There was cold showers. She had a baby tiny kitchen. They all shared a bed. And maybe the hardest part of all was that one day when the weather had turned colder, she found a mouse swimming in her dishwater. So she is my champion. But watching her go through that trying to be there for her as much as I could in the way of meals and, you know, helping her out, got me thinking about my next pregnancy, even though then I was nowhere near close to my next pregnancy or preparing for it. And I probably wouldn't have thought about this again, like I said, but she gave me the opportunity to think about it. And I got to thinking, like, what if we prepared for the first trimester like we prepare for the fourth trimester? So I set an intention a year ago to be more prepared for my third pregnancy than I had for either of my first two. And no, I'm not pregnant, guys. I'm just I'm just working on preparing my body and my life to be able to even handle that again. So since it turns out that I will not actually have lemon help for my third pregnancy, that is why I'm really trying to take good care of myself now before the pregnancy and prepare so that I can have space to actually just maybe even enjoy my next pregnancy. There's an idea. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing the three surprising ways that I am preparing my body for baby number three. Hey there, I'm Meg. Crunchy mama, storyteller, and imperfect homemaker. I'm raising two beautiful babies in the rolling hills of Wisconsin, and I am learning every single day. Here, I celebrate the joys of motherhood, but I also get real about the trenches that young moms find themselves in and how we can nurture joy in the daily grind. This is the encouragement you need to thrive through your days spent being mama. This is the Mothering Joy Podcast. I had two pregnancies in two years. DJ was born in March of 2020. Hello, COVID. And Caroline was born in October of 2021. It wasn't until the end of my second pregnancy that I really learned how important my health was to the health of my babies. 
I'd read books like Real Food for Pregnancy, which I've talked about before in this podcast because I think it's such a great resource. And so I knew things like this, you know, but sometimes we have to experience things firsthand before they really sink in. So it wasn't until I had some health issues in my second pregnancy and my son started experiencing some health issues that I really started to wrap my brain around the role that my health played in how I felt and also how my kids felt and how healthy they were. When I got diagnosed with gestational diabetes in my pregnancy with Coco, it came as a total surprise. It really held me accountable for where I'd been lacking in my health. Luckily, with monitoring my blood sugar levels, watching carbs, and moving my body, I was able to keep my blood sugar levels healthy and have a healthy baby. My diagnosis really made me realize how my diet and my nutrient deficiencies were affecting my baby. This made it even more clear to me that after Caroline was born, luckily and thankfully she was very, very healthy, but DJ started experiencing health issues. So I kind of already could understand how these health issues maybe started in utero and it's actually... um, you know, I, the more I learned, like these are for sure, like things that as he was developing in, in my body and he was just a tiny little fetus, like these are things where there was some developmental things happening, not exactly the way that they should, not, not my fault, you know, but the environment I created for that baby, like that definitely contributes to how that baby is formed. So DJ started having symptoms of what I can now recognize as poor gut health. He was showing these symptoms since birth. I just couldn't recognize them. So he was a really fussy baby. He didn't sleep well. He had loose undigested poops like five a day, like his whole life. Um, And he had really bad eczema. But it wasn't until actually like right after Caroline was born he was around two and he started having chronic sinus congestion. And that's when I started taking him to the chiropractor. And eventually we found a GAPS practitioner that diagnosed all his symptoms as signs of poor gut health. GAPS stands for gut and physiology syndrome. And I'm, I am going to be sharing, this is going to get its whole own episode. Like I'm just, I'm building my courage to get there, you guys. But I will be sharing more about why we decided to do the GAPS diet for DJ. But basically, it all stems from gut health. And gut health is dependent on so many factors, from genetic makeup to environmental factors, Also, the gut health of the mom is passed down to the baby, and my poor gut health was passed down to him, so that was definitely a big reason for all the issues we were dealing with, but DJ's poor gut health, my gestational diabetes diagnosis, like these were two really big wake-up calls that I really needed to prioritize my own health. And Joe and I, I mean, we, we have dreams of a big family. We like the idea of having, you know... Oh, it's funny. Okay. We like the idea of having like kids running around. I'm just laughing because like it's really fun and there's beautiful things about it. Also, you know, it's hard and I'm like, do we really like the idea of that? But you guys, we do. And that requires me to be a healthy mom who has a lot of energy. And keeping in mind that I won't ever arrive at perfect health, there are some things that I can do to get my body as healthy as possible to be the mom that I want to be 
especially when I'm carrying another baby if I am lucky enough to be able to do that. So here we go. The first thing I'm doing is I am taking Epsom salt baths. I have a theory that my body had a hard time regulating blood sugar in pregnancy because I was deficient in magnesium from having two pregnancies pregnancies so close together. To me, it just makes more sense that I would be nutrient deficient from my first pregnancy than it does that I just randomly developed gestational diabetes in that short of amount of time. Magnesium is an essential nutrient for regulating blood sugar. Magnesium deficiency is super common during pregnancy. And in her book, Real Food for Pregnancy, Lily Collins points out that women with gestational diabetes are also commonly deficient in magnesium. So I'm not going to get too much into the gestational diabetes thing in this episode, but what I'm realizing is that I think magnesium can definitely help me have a healthy pregnancy moving forward. And it turns out that actually a lot of people are deficient in magnesium. When I was researching a little bit for this episode, I saw anywhere from 48 to 90% of people are actually magnesium deficient. And this is kind of nuts because magnesium plays a crucial role in a lot more than just blood sugar regulation. Magnesium contributes to just about every aspect of our well-being. It's the fourth most abundant mineral in the body, and it's part of over 300 biochemical reactions in the body, which are actually what allow cells to grow and to sustain life. Traditionally, people have been getting magnesium from food. Foods like leafy greens, kale, spinach, cacao, almonds, pumpkin seeds, these are all good sources of magnesium. The problem is that the widespread use of aggressive farming practices, you know, heavy pesticides, things like that, have depleted the soil of magnesium on many commercial farms. And even if you're eating foods that have been raised with responsible farming practices, you'd still need to eat a lot of these foods on a daily basis to get the amounts of magnesium that are needed for optimal health. Poor digestion, stress, and taking certain medications can also decrease the body's levels of magnesium. So I was convinced that I needed some more magnesium and I found it super interesting that a lot of doctors actually can't catch a magnesium deficiency since it really isn't easy to test for. Less than 1% of your body's magnesium is actually found in the blood and the other 99% is found in the bone and muscle tissue. So it really makes it nearly impossible to diagnose this using standard lab tests, which I think, you know, is why sometimes it's missed, especially for pregnant women because we get our blood work drawn and that's kind of like how we, how we're saying if we're healthy or not. But there's some other really important things that might be missing. A simple solution to boost magnesium is to supplement for it. The problem with supplementing, though, um, is that high concentrations of magnesium in tablets and powder supplements are not readily absorbed via the gut lining. So this is why a magnesium tablet and powder supplements are quickly eliminated via the digestive system. A lot of magnesium supplements also can have laxative effects, which (laughs) nobody wants that, especially when you're pregnant. The gut lining better absorbs low concentrations of magnesium like that's found in food and natural spring water. 
So when you take magnesium in pills, most of the magnesium doesn't actually reach the cells in the muscles and the bones. This is all kind of a bummer. It doesn't bode well for the mom of two who is definitely magnesium deficient and wants to replenish her magnesium levels before they are further depleted by growing another human in her body. I'm raising my hand. But here's where Epsom salt baths are really cool because they are a great way to absorb magnesium because the skin is being the largest organ in the body. It has the capacity to deliver a much greater amount of magnesium and deliver it where it needs to go. So mineral salts in their iconic form like magnesium chloride can actually pass through the skin barrier. People have taken salt baths for thousands of years to alleviate degenerative health conditions like arthritis or to speed up recovery after injury and stress. This is also why people feel a lot better like after swimming in the ocean, you know, the the surfers that are just so calm and have life figured out. It's because of the mineral salts. The sulfites in Epsom salt help flush out toxins and heavy metals also. So that's another really cool thing about Epsom salt baths. This process is called reverse osmosis and it literally pulls the toxins out of your body, which is a really cool way to detoxify. Um, I'm looking into more ways to detox. And I mean, Epsom salt baths just seem like a really gentle way to detox your body. And I love that, especially for my kids. Epsom salt are a great way to supplement your kids too for this very reason. So I will try to throw like a cup of Epsom salt into the bath when our kids get in. And I'm really trying to be better about this because I'm just, the more I learn, the more important it seems to me. It's recommended to take Epsom salt baths two to three times a week to feel the benefits. I only get about one bath in a week and I feel super good about that. It's taken me a long time to even get up to one bath a week. Foot soaks are also an effective way to absorb magnesium if you don't have a bathtub or you just don't feel like doing the whole bath thing. So I'm really trying to prioritize the bath because it's so relaxing. I do have to have the right mindset about it. Like it's not like I'm going to the spa. I'm sneaking in in when the kids are napping or Joe is watching them. It's usually chaos and I just take what I can get. I use Dr. Teal's Epsom salts on Amazon and I have linked those in the show notes. All right, the second thing I'm doing to prepare my body for pregnancy is to take a probiotic. Gut health is important for so many reasons, not the least of which is that a healthy gut ensures your body is actually able to absorb and use the nutrients that you're putting into your body. Not only was my poor gut health affecting my overall health and energy levels, it was also affecting the health of my son like I talked about in the beginning of this episode. Newborn babies get their first microbiome from their moms when they pass through the birthing canal. And the mom's gut health also plays an important role in her overall health and in the environment that she's creating for her growing baby. And these conditions, I mean, they do play a large role in how the baby develops. The more I learn about gut health, the more I'm learning about how multifaceted it is and it's not really caused like just from one thing or one food. Um, I think my own gut issues are a combination of broken genes, poor gut health passed down from my mom, antibiotics, and also birth control. 
our GAPS practitioner who is helping us with DJ's gut issues told me that she thinks birth control is actually probably the primary cause of DJ's gut issues. And I agree that it is a big factor. I mean, when you look into it, birth control can lead to yeast overgrowth, candida. It can lead to decreased diversity of good bacteria in your gut. And it can affect how food moves through your gut, which is also a really important piece of digestion that some people, you know, it's easy to miss. Um, And birth control also can lead to leaky gut. So leaky gut is caused from a lot of different things, but it's actually when large undigested proteins are leaking through your intestinal lining. Um, And when, so this happens when you have no good bacteria to protect your gut walls. In her book, fermenting. This is a really good book that I recommend. It's in the show notes. Uh, Wardy Harmon actually explains, she does a wonderful job of explaining gut health and she talks about how your gut wall is actually like soil on the ground and grass and other things are like the good bacteria in your gut and just like the soil needs healthy growth of grasses and flowers and things to keep it from eroding, Your gut wall needs good bacteria to protect it from the bad bacteria that will erode your gut wall and make it permeable for these proteins to leak through. And this creates a mess for your immune system because it sees the proteins as foreign invaders and it creates an immune response. A lot of times, you know, immune responses are inflammation um, and this is to try to get rid of the foreign invaders. So this is why a lot of women, especially women on birth control, have reactions when they eat certain foods. And it's also why avoiding problem foods creates temporary relief, but other foods will start to leak through and cause issues also. Something I learned that was really interesting is that blood tests are really common to identify food sensitivities or allergies, um, you know, what you're reacting to. But the problem is that very few people actually have like severe allergies. A lot of people are having food sensitivities because their gut is now taking the food that's supposed to stay in their gut and it's leaking into their body, which is causing reactions and getting into the blood. But the blood work is only picking up on like the food you've been eating lately because that's the food that's leaking in. So it can be hard to diagnose like what the actual issue is just from blood work is kind of what I'm trying to say here. Um, And leaky gut can often lead to autoimmune disease. So it's a pretty big deal. And I'm not going to solely blame my poor gut health on birth control because the whole reason I got on birth control when I was 12 and didn't know better was because of horrible, horrible acne, which was, you know, a symptom of poor gut health. And then I was given this treatment that actually further degraded my gut health. So it's a vicious cycle, folks, and we're just doing our best to get back on track here. I'm learning about a lot of other supplements that can support gut health in the way of supporting broken genes. And I'm hopefully going to be able to share more about this later. But for now, I feel really good about getting a probiotic in every day and getting some good bacteria in my gut in the way of um, raw fermented dairy. The probiotic I use was recommended by our GAPS practitioner and it's called BioCult. And I just get this on Amazon also and I will link it in the show notes. The other thing I'm trying to do for my gut health is I eat a relatively low-carb, low-sugar diet. 
Um, sugars are the things that are feeding the bad bacteria in our body. And I also drink chicken stock, which is better than you'd think it'd be. And this supports my gut health. It's something that I picked up from the GAPS protocol that we're using for DJ. In our health journey right now, I am just really aware of how present toxins are in our environment. And with DJ being a GAPS kid, his body has a hard time eliminating toxins. And I know that my body struggles with some of those same things. So it's even more important for me that I'm not even introducing them in the first place. That is why I'm so thankful for companies like Tubes & Co. that are making really wonderful, clean skincare and makeup products. Not only do I love these products, but I love using them for my kids. Head over to their website, tubesandco.com, and use the code MOTHERINGJOY10 at checkout for 10% off your order. The third thing I'm doing to prepare my body for pregnancy, which might be the most surprising of the three, is that I am eating liver. Okay, I'm not actually eating liver because it's pretty hard to stomach, but I am taking liver supplements. I use the liver supplement Optival Carnivore by Ancestral Supplements, and I just get this on Amazon as well. So this is something that I can do that's easy for me with the liver. I do try to put liver in our food, but I kind of have to like sneak it into things like sloppy joes or meatloaf, things that are pretty flavorful where you can't really notice like the flavor or the texture of the liver because it's just not great. I have recently found a product called Liver Crisps, which is liver that's been smoked and dehydrated so that it kind of just tastes like beef jerky. I am not going to lie to you and tell you that it tastes good, but it is definitely growing on me and I can even see myself liking it someday. So I will also link those liver crisps in, in the show notes if you're a really brave soul and you want to give them a try. But you might be wondering, okay, why the liver? Like why are you going to such an effort to put liver into your diet? And it's basically because... Liver has so many nutrients and vitamins that we're just not getting in our diets anymore, but that our body was really designed to use. So the, I'm just going to talk about a few that I felt were really beneficial for me. And the main one was iron. I was super depleted in iron with my pregnancy with Caroline and it came back in the lab tests. This probably explains why I was so tired all the time. And why I felt like I needed to eat soap. Yep, I wanted to eat soap. It's pretty gross. I knew that I shouldn't do it and I didn't. I did not eat soap. People would look at me like, you know, I had five heads. Like, what? You want to eat soap? You guys, wanting to eat soap is a sign of an iron deficiency. And I, yeah, that was a problem. I did actually start supplementing with iron in my pregnancy with Caroline um, iron delivers oxygen to the cells and it's super important in fetus and placenta development, but I didn't feel great about supplementing at that point. I just needed to, but when you supplement with iron, it can cause too much iron to store in your body and then it can actually become toxic when it's sitting in there. So iron needs copper to become usable energy 
copper activates the oxygen in the mitochondria to make it usable energy. And if the oxen of the iron isn't made into usable energy or it doesn't get recycled properly in your body, then it can store there. It can mess with antioxidant and anti-inflammatory responses in the body, which is a biggie because more inflammation in the body can be the underlying cause of chronic disease and susceptibility to infectious disease. I'm really making a long story short here with the the iron situation, but I'm mostly just trying to explain why Whenever I can, I try to get my nutrients from real foods like liver, even if they taste gross, because nature has already balanced all of this stuff out for us, guys. So like we can eat natural foods and we don't have to worry about overloading our systems or not taking it with this or that um, because the body is just so complex. If you are interested in learning more about iron and the best ways to get it into your body and what it does for you and how it can do bad things for you, check out the article I linked in the show notes by Weston A. Price. Um, The Weston A. Price Foundation did a really great article on this. The other vitamin that I found that I was missing that liver has is B vitamins. So I recently learned that I have the gene mutation MTHFR which I also am learning is pretty common. And I'm not going to dive crazy into this yet because I'm really just learning about it myself. But what it means for me and what it means for me right now is that my body is probably lacking folate. And folate is the natural form of vitamin B9. So this makes liver a super good option for me because liver is loaded with it. Folate is also a super important nutrient in pregnancy for proper brain and spinal cord development. So as a mom who wants to make more babies, it's like, give me that liver and that folate. This broken gene stuff that I kind of was getting into is super interesting to me. I'm really excited to learn more about it. But for now, you guys, like I'm just sticking to what I know because it can be so overwhelming out there when you <laughs> when you start to dabble, if you know what I mean. But what I know is this. Epsom salt baths give me the magnesium I've been missing. Probiotics help me get my gut to a healthy place. And liver gives me vitamins and nutrients that I need to make a healthy baby. As I start to think about pregnancy and preparing my body for another baby, I also need to think about how I'm preparing my mind and my spirit and my emotions for this next human because those are the things that really play a huge role in overall health. And when I am stressing or focused too hard on my physical health, then that can sometimes really negatively affect like my emotional health. And I'm trying to get to a place where all my health is in harmony and I can just be like a vision of health. (laughs) But what I'm learning is that, you know, I like historically, you know, especially after losing a family member to cancer, like I've really been focused on the physical side of health. And that is what this podcast was about because there's definitely amazing things we can do for our physical health. But like I just wanted to throw a reminder out there Um, mostly for myself like that it is like the emotional spiritual and mental health that matters just as much or more when we are 
moms to our kids that have already been born to the kids that haven't even been conceived and to the kids that are being grown in our bodies so I know that the journey for motherhood looks so different for every mom I am trying to create more space in this pregnancy than I did for either of my first two pregnancies DJ was actually a surprise and we got pregnant with Caroline when I was only 11 months postpartum so that didn't really leave me space to be super healthy in either of my pregnancies, which was fine. I mean, I knew that God obviously wanted TJ to come into our lives when he did because he was a surprise. Caroline, I know, was also meant to come in our lives at that time. So, you know, sometimes like the recommended 18 months to wait between pregnancies, like that's just not going to work. But I am in a place where I know if I want to carry another baby, I need to really do a little bit of work when it comes to um, restoring my nutrient supply, taking care of myself. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And this episode was really just intended to be a sharing of what I've learned about all the things and what I've found is actually possible to implement and what kind of has the most bang for its buck because you know there's a lot of stuff out there and sometimes it can be hard to figure out what will actually work for you of course what works best for me might not be what works best for you but maybe you found these to be some surprising and interesting ideas it kind of turned into a monster episode um I hope that's okay. I linked all the sources where I found this information to in the show notes. So if any of this interested you, like please take a peek there because there is so much more to all the stuff that I talked about. Thank you so much for listening and I cannot wait to see you next time.